And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. Today, Pastor Elliot will review what we've seen about the character of God's Old Testament law. And then move on to consider the shame of self-reliant, do-it-yourself Christian living Such living only brings defeat, frustration, and failure. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Well, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He's not very talkative. This is my chainsaw. We have spent many an hour in the forest cutting firewood. And last Sunday we said that The shame of Christian sanctification, of do-it-ourselves sanctification, is that we are like the fella who tried to cut a log without starting his chainsaw. He never pulled it. When we try to live a life pleasing to the Lord Jesus after conversion in our own strength, in our own smarts, in our flesh... It's like trying to saw a log with a chainsaw that's not running. You do that long enough and some things happen. You get exhausted. You get frustrated. You have no possible chance of doing what you're trying to do. And frankly, you just want to quit. And maybe you're here this morning and you know you're saved But if the truth be told, for a long time, your Christian living has been frustrating, exhausting. You felt like quitting. This message in Romans 7 is for you and for me. Last time in Romans 7, verses 7 to 14, we saw that it is a real shame to choose to re-engage ourselves with the Old Testament law as a way of being increasingly right with God. We said that would be a shame to re-engage ourselves with the Old Testament law as a way to try to be acceptable to God, as a way to grow spiritually. And last Sunday we also saw that the law was never given to solve our sin problem. Instead, the law was given to reveal our sin problem. The law wasn't given to solve our sin problem. The law was given to reveal that we have a sin problem. We talked about the difference between an MRI and a surgeon's scalpel. The MRI can only tell the surgeon you need a surgery. The MRI never performs the surgery needed. No, the MRI reveals the medical situation, and then the surgeon takes her scalpel and performs a surgery needed. The law is like that MRI, first to the Jewish nation and then to us, to reveal our sin problem, to point us to Jesus, the supreme surgeon, to fix our sin problem. 
Still by way of review from last Sunday, we looked at the character of God's law. What is God's law like? And we saw, number one, that God's law is useful. We saw that in verse 7 of Romans 7. It's useful in the sense that the law reveals sin. It sets the standard high enough. You remember the toddler who measured himself with a six-inch ruler and reported to his mommy that he was uh, 12 feet tall? The law is useful because it tells us what the standard is, not by our estimation, but by God's estimation. So the law is useful. Second place, the law is active. The law sets up a military base inside of us because of our flesh. The law produces and provokes sinning because of our flesh. The problem's not with the law, the problem's with us. And we use the illustration of the person who has the unfortunate allergy to chocolate. Give an anaphylactic reaction to chocolate. Some people, chocolate will kill them. The problem isn't the chocolate. The problem is the physiology of the person who is eating it, who is allergic. And so last time we saw the law is useful, verse 7. We saw the law is active, verse 8. Third, we saw the law is holy, verses 9 to 12, Romans 7. The law is holy. Makes sense. Only a holy, sinless God could give a holy, sinless law. In fact, a holy God could give nothing other than a holy law. And that holy law, reflecting all of God's character, judges and condemns sinners like all of us. That's what the law does. Because you need a Savior. You can't do this. And if you don't get a Savior, you're going to be separated from God forever in a literal place the Bible calls hell. In the fourth place last week, we saw the law is a lethal weapon. We saw that in verse 13. That is, the law condemns us. It reveals our sins, but it is not a murderer. The question in verse 13, is the law a murderer? The answer is emphatic, no, God's law is not a murderer. Similarly, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Guns don't kill people. People holding guns and pulling triggers kill people. And the law doesn't murder, but our flesh combined with the power of the law of sin and death uses the Old Testament law to spiritually kill us. Gun triggers are pulled by gunmen. Law is broken by lawbreakers. Fifth and last, by way of review, last time in Romans 7, characteristics and character of the law, number five point, according to verse 14a, the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. The law reflects all of God's character. The law opposes sin. The law blocks all blame shifting. Because of the law of God, you can't say, I don't sin. And because of the law of God, you can't say, you made me sin. Kid who came home with the five D's and the two F's on his report card and asked his father, what do we chalk this up to, environment or heredity? The law won't let you do that. It's not your mommy's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. It's not your employer's fault. When we sin, it's our fault. And so God's law is anything but flawed. God's law is anything but bad. And today in Romans 7, 15 to 24, we'll look at the shame and the defeat and the frustration of a self-reliant Christian life. If you are to live your Christian life in self-reliance, you'll be trying to uh, saw logs with the chainsaw, not running. 
It'll be a shame. It'll be a defeat. It'll be a frustration. It'll be a do-it-yourself Christian life with is an abject, guaranteed failure. In these verses 15 to 24 of Romans 7 this morning, we're going to see that this self-reliant Christian life, this do-it-yourself Christian life, this me-can-do Christian life is destined to fail. I told you when I waited tables in Dallas, Texas with Beth in a family restaurant, there was a family that regularly came in with a little child who was in a high chair, and they never attended the child every time they came to our restaurant. They let the child feed itself. Looked like a Gerber baby factory gone bad. Explosion. Food everywhere. I'm not kidding. Food everywhere. Food on the floor. Food on the kid. Food on their table they're eating at. Awful. The parents that let a child in a high chair who's not capable of feeding herself properly is just as foolish as the Christian who chooses to live their Christian life in a me-can-do philosophy, I don't need anybody's help. It causes a mess. In the restaurant, it caused a gross mess of all this baby food all over the place. And when we try to live our Christian lives in our own strength, in our own resources, in our own smarts, Without the Holy Spirit's filling and controlling and powering and enabling, we are just like that kid in the high chair. It's unprofitable for us. Kid missed most of the food she was supposed to eat because it was everywhere else. It's unprofitable for the people around the high chair in the restaurant. They wanted to move to other sections. Can we move to that section? I said, I don't blame you. I would move too. And when we try to live our Christian lives in the power of our own flesh, and not controlled by the Holy Spirit, then people around us find no profit in being around us. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to continue talking about embracing the life of a Christ follower. You know, in a Christian church and around Christians, we hear this word called discipleship. And I think sometimes when we hear the word discipleship, we think that it's talking about some elite Christians, some elite, they're, they're better than other Christians. But today we want to understand that when we consider discipleship, this is what all of us as Christians should be. We should be discipling others, and we should understand that we are not disciples of ourselves, but we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we have looked over the last couple, we've talked about how Jesus' disciples, they followed him. He left everything to follow him. And today we want to continue to talk about what it truly means to follow Christ, and what it truly means to be a disciple of Christ. You see, we need to understand that this is not an option. This is a command from God that we are to be His disciples. We are to follow Him. And today we want to t- look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. And it says that, Then He said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life because of me will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, I think so many times we, we think that when we talk about coming to Christ, we think that, oh, once I come to know Christ, I ask him to be my Lord and Savior, then that is it. No, this is a process that we call sanctification. And here we see, as we consider this, in verse 23, it says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. You see, I think we need to understand that we need to kill 
ourselves, our flesh, because every single day we struggle with the flesh. And we also have this, that take up your cross daily. You see, we need to recognize that this is a daily process. This isn't just, I'm going to do it once and that's it. No, we have to die to ourselves daily. You know, in my own life, I can think of my, myself. I sin on a daily basis. And I have to ask God to continue to forgive me. I have to ask God to help me. I have to ask God when I wake up in the morning to not let Nicholas be seen, but let him be seen. And you see, the picture here of the cross, you know, it's not telling you as a Christian to find a cross somewhere, some sticks and, and carry it around. No, but the cross represents death. And what is it saying to us is, as believers is we need to die to ourselves daily. We need to ask God to help us. This is a process every single day. It also continues on and says, and follow me. You see, Jesus here is talking and he is saying that we need to follow him. We need to pursue him. We need to know what is it that God wants me to do. How do I follow Christ? Well, we follow Christ, first of all, we need to be in his word. We need to recognize that if we're in his word, this shows us the manual to life. This shows us how we are to live, what Christ would have us to do. And I think sometimes in our own lives, we try so many times to do it on our own, and we recognize that we always come short. We always mess up. And that's because we don't die to ourselves. We don't allow Christ to be seen in us. We don't allow his word to penetrate our lives. We don't get away from the crowd or a busy life to just spend time in God's word. You see, this is the only way we could take care of our soul. You see, as you consider as a person, as a physical person, as you think of, you know, how do I lose weight or what, how do I get fit? Well, we get fit because we exercise. We get fit by watching the things that we eat. We get fit by doing a lot of different things. Well, as a Christian, we get fit because we recognize that we die to ourselves and we let Christ shine through us and let him be seen through us. Verse 24 continues, says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. You see, we need to recognize that this verse is saying that there's many times in our own life that we may try to save our own life, but we can't. We can't do it. But you want me to tell you why we can't do it? Because Christ already paid the price for our life. You see, the Bible says that we were bought with a price. We are bought with a price, a price that God sent his son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And that is a price that we can't buy it. We cannot buy the gift of salvation, but it is already done. You see, we have to understand that none of us can save our own life. But it goes even further. But whoever loses life because of me will save it. You see, that one statement doesn't make sense to the average person because who wants to die? The reality is, is that there are many people who die every single day for the name of Jesus. There are more people dying today for Christ than ever before in history. Let me ask you a question. If you're a young person, let me ask you a question. Are you willing to die for the sake of Christ? You know, sometimes in our own schools, we're scared to, to take a stand for God and to allow God to be seen in our lives, allow God to, um, for people to know that we're Christians. But here it is, Jesus is saying that we must be willing to die for him. You know, there are many people around the world who, who risk their life every single day to go into countries where the gospel or Bible isn't even allowed but yet too many times we allow ourselves to be afraid 
because of fear of what people are going to say about us. Just because we don't want Christ to be seen. We are ashamed of the name of Christ. And the Bible is very clear that we need not to be ashamed because we need to continue to fight for Christ. We need to continue to recognize that we are his children. We need to continue to recognize that he, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and died for us. He gave up his life for you and for me. A man who never sinned became sin for us. A man's blood, the perfect man to ever walk the face of this earth, died for us, paid the price, and only his blood could pay that price. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you are listening to this broadcast, whatever age you are, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you recognize this morning that, you know what? I need to follow Christ. I need to die to myself. I need to allow Christ to be seen in my life. I need to let Christ be all that I am. You see, as we continue to talk and we think about talking about a disciple, a disciple is a person that looks like the person they're following. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is who we're trying to become. We're trying to look at Jesus and to become more like him every single day. Because we recognize that this is a daily process for each and every one of us. So I would challenge you this morning, again, for those of you who say, you know what, I've been a Christian all my life. I want to challenge you. Are you dying to yourself daily? Are you letting Christ be seen in your life? Are you letting his word penetrate? Or are you just filling yourself with a lot of garbage things of this world that, that just allow you to not to be pulled into two different directions. You see, we can be pulled into two different directions. And we will continue talking about this as we look at verse 25 in our next broadcast. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening to You Talk. It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, I am... Blessed to be the pastor of DeWitt and Sally Simonette, my friends, with an amazing story. Uh, good morning, friends. Good, good, good morning, morning, Pastor. Good morning. You've been telling your story, and uh, it's incredible. Where we're jumping into your story this morning is that God can change the person that you think unlikely to change. Yes. And God changed both of you. God gave you grace to meet each other after years and beginning to learn about each other and see the differences Christ was making in each of you. And uh, DeWitt, when did you start uh, thinking about the possibility of, of marrying Sally? Well, um, you know, we had a conversation uh, my conversation with the guests, we had a conversation and we were talking and I was, I was not thinking about no marriage because I, I, would told her, I told her that um, I would give myself up for an adoption and I hope that I could find a nice family to be in, you know, to be into. Uh, I'm a family person mm-hmm. and used to being around family, you know. So once I... Um, 
found a family which appreciated me, I decided, well, just ride off into the, sun, into the sunset. So just sort of absorb yourself into a family that yes. cared about you. Yes. Sally, when you were uh, talking with DeWitt, um, I don't know how long you had been talking with him before you mentioned, you know, the situation to me, but you said to me that you just felt he was a new person to what he once was yes. and very spiritually minded. What kind of ways were you sensing he was very spiritually minded? Because when I, when I would call him, he always was willing to answer the phone and stay on the phone for so long. Yes. Like, Anderson earned this dollars, and then he was in Lutheran, I was in Nassau, and um, sometimes I would say, it's time to hang up. He said, no, not talking to you. I, you know, I just want to continue talking. And like one, I don't know if it was a day or not, I can't remember, that I said, well, but what do you think about uh, getting remarried? Because I mean, I'm not going to be living with you, and you know, we have to get married if you... So he decided to, um, he said, no, he didn't want to get married anymore. I said, okay, well, we just talk. And uh, finally, after a couple of weeks, we, con uh, we continued talking. And then he decided he wanted to get married. Now, mm. first I said, in June, and he said, no, no, it's a bit too early. Because I met him in October. Right, October to June, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he said, no, it's a bit too early yet, so. I said, okay, well, we'll continue talking until we decide which month you want to get married. Then one night or day, I, I called him and I told him, well, what about October? And he said, okay, okay, it's up to you. I said, October 27. <laughs> so we did it on October 27. Right, and some months before your Just a month before. wedding date, um, you yeah. told me that that he, you appreciated his uh, knowledge of the Lord. Yes is orienting himself around the word of yeah. God, the Bible, yeah. and always praying with you on the phone. Yeah. Those are those are good indicators yeah. that a person does put Jesus first yeah. and, and uh, loves with Jesus' love. Yeah. So you came to me a few weeks before the ceremony you were wanting to have, and mm -hmm. you gave me the incredible uh, privilege of being the pastor who... Uh, officiated your your wedding and the church was packed yeah. oh yes it was packed yeah. and everybody was beaming because they to some extent knew your story and uh, as I said the newspaper was there and uh, your your uh, marriage day your wedding uh, you were saying that that was used of God to do some healing in your family members what would you say about that Yes, um, what has happened um, after, being, after being married, there are some young people who are separated, mm -hmm. and um, there are some old people which are separated, uh -huh. and um, they see that they see that where they don't have to be alone or be lonely and uh, and um, um, some is thinking about looking up your partners and asking for forgiveness. Wow! Because as an example that you have been in forgiveness, yes, and uh, humility, yes, and uh, that's wonderful. So it, God 
spraying blessing beyond the two of you to blessing in your more extended family. Right. And I think you told me, DeWitt, correct me if I'm wrong, that you saw some of your family for you hadn't seen for a long time right. who came to your wedding. Oh, yeah. Well, I can say, I can say, thankful that um, all of my children are back with me. Wow. You know, they're not children anymore. No. Uh, they are men, they are women, and um, they realize now we can sit and talk, and they can realize that what I was doing for them was the right thing, bringing them up in the right way. Oh, good. They can express their appreciation. Yes, now, yes. And their respect. Yes. Oh, that's yes. wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you for continuing with your story, and God willing, we'll pick it up next Sunday. All right? You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. <laughs>